Thank you for joining us on another episode of Give Me Some Truth. Today I have Anna in the booth with me. Uh, she's going to be talking about um, some important tax and wealth management items found in the new uh, coronavirus 2.0 stimulus bill. Um, before we get into that, we've got, uh, just to give you a little background on Anna, Anna is a wealth manager, financial advisor, CFP, um, with a bunch of different things behind her name. And then also she's the founding partner of Walker County Tax Services. So uh, we'll be talking about it a little bit, uh, a, a little bit of both uh, sides of the business that she uh, runs. So uh, Anna, thanks for joining us today. And let's get into some uh, coronavirus stimulus 2.0. What's the one thing that you're most excited about, about this whole stimulus package? Well, I think the one thing I'm most excited about really has to do with these stimulus payments for everybody. I know everybody's been anxiously awaiting their payments, some of which have hit bank accounts already is what I've heard. And really just some apprehension around previous payments that may have been paid and providing some clarity to whether or not an individual would have to pay back a payment that was paid or how that's going to be calculated or, you know, taxation of those payments and really just a variety of different ideas around something that was pretty uncertain in the beginning. And now it's shedding light on clarity in terms of this payment. Yeah. I think that the two different uh, situations that could occur. Uh, let's get into those a little bit. Number one is if you uh, have not received any sort of stimulus payment and you believe yourself to be eligible because there's some income limits. So say your income was was really high before and now it's a lot lower because of COVID and you think you're eligible, uh, what happens in that situation? Yeah. So the way that government has looked at this is previously the payments that were received by an individual were based on your 2019 adjusted gross income. Um, then obviously 2020 hit and people's income was all over the map. So the government has determined that what they're going to do is the um, stimulus payment, if you did not receive it, is going to be calculated and as part of a refund on your 2020 tax return. Now, if you did receive a payment and your income went up or something changed from the date you received the payment until the end of 2020, that would technically disqualify you from the payment. You won't have to give that payment back or be taxed on that payment or have that uh, payment reduce your tax refund. So that does um, really kind of help with some of the issues that were occurring there. So again, if your 2019 income didn't qualify you and you never received a payment, we'll be able to get it on your 2020 tax return. Um, if your 2020 tax return or 2020 numbers were down, you'll get that 2020 payment um, now. So it's just a good thing and no one's going to be paying stuff back. That's nice. Uh, I can't believe they're doing that, but that's very nice. So, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. I, yeah, it'll increase. Shocking, shocking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is pretty shocking actually, but I figure, you know, uh, the logistics behind recapturing that are probably too much of a pain for the amount of the payment. So I, they probably did a cost benefit analysis of that and determined that now they're calling that a recovery rebate credit uh, from the IRS. If you didn't receive the money, but you're getting it back on your taxes. And so, it would either increase the amount of your tax refund or lower the amount of the tax you need to pay. So, uh, you know, you're getting that back whenever you file. So for some people, if you're really looking to get that money and that's, uh, you know, of 
good of great consequence to you, uh, I would recommend that you file your taxes as early as possible then to be able to obtain that uh, recovery rebate credit. Um, so yeah, and that's that's an interesting uh, interesting thing that's going on there, and I don't know if we'll see that happen. Too many more times in our lifetime, uh, but I have noticed that the speed of the payments has increased significantly between when they signed the bill and when that money was actually released to those accounts. I mean, that went lightning fast this time. Yeah, as I like to call it, I think that, you know, and I kind of laugh about this, the IRS did their test run with their initial payments. And a lot of people went online and updated bank accounts and they have that information. So it was a little bit smoother this go round. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody's received their payments and it's, you know, as smooth. And again, people may have changed bank accounts. So I would advise if you have not received your second payment or no notification, you know, obviously a little bit of patience. But if a bank account has changed or anything like that, to make sure to go on the IRS.gov website um, and go to the stimulus payment website and they do have different areas where you're able to update bank account information and that sort of thing. Hmm, That's good. Um, You know, as far as that goes as well, um, you know, I don't think it's likely at this point that we're going to see an increase. There's a lot of talk about the $2,000 stimulus payment. And at this point, that seems to be um, dead on arrival, although it could resuscitate itself. I think it kind of depends on whether or not uh, COVID continues long term and whether or not we find some uh, bipartisanship. I think that's uh, at this point, I, I would say it's unlikely. I don't know what your view on it, on it uh, Anna, is. I would agree with that as well. And, you know, um, I guess another thing that I did want to focus on is, again, this second round of stimulus payments, for what it's worth, if you had a child that was 17 or under as a dependent on your tax return, the previous stimulus payment was $500. Now it's been increased, so it's going to be $600 for each person on your refund. So, you know, even though we're maybe not getting that $2,000, the the amount you're getting for your dependent has gone up $100 per dependent. That's great. And then there's a couple of different other nuances on kind of carryovers, if you will, uh, for, for say, um, benefits for, uh, for what FSAs, dependent cares, things like that. If you didn't use those payments, you're able to uh, carry those over into 2021 uh, as well. That's correct. Anna, right? Yep, absolutely. As well as the um, charitable deductions there, you know, because charities really aren't getting all the love that they need to receive. They are the the government has also written into this bill that the uh, the amount that you can uh, contribute to a charity is going to remain at higher levels. And then uh, it used to be more so that some uh, direct um, payments to charities were limited a bit. But now, uh, you know, Anyone over the age of 59 and a half can contribute an unlimited amount directly to charity via their retirement account. So that's pretty awesome to be able to do that. Absolutely. Um, You know, and there are, again, a lot of people didn't want to take their required minimum distribution last year because it was not required. That is still kind of up for grabs in terms of whether or not that will carry over to 2021 or not. It seems like uh, requirement and distributions are back in a big way for 2021. Now it's a matter of... Um, you know, like you said, how that relates to the required minimum distributions. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it's how that relates to age 70 and a half or 72 now, uh, for a lot of people. Correct. So, you know, with the reduction of charity, or I should say with the change in how a person doesn't have to be 70 and a half to contribute directly from their retirement account to charity, this might be one way for somebody to, you know, reduce their taxable income and give it to a charity at the same time, obviously. That's nice. I wish they'd keep that all the time, actually. Um, you I know, agree. I, I think that uh, being able to give to charity from your 
retirement account without having to pay taxes. Just, I think it's a great way to be able to give to charities and benefit uh, the person that's giving it. I, I don't know. I don't see that as a huge like tax. Uh, I don't know. I don't see that as a huge tax negative thing. I mean, yes, the treasury doesn't get as much money, but um, the charity then receives a huge benefit from that. And, uh, and so does the, the end user. So I, I think it's great. Absolutely. I mean, Uncle Sam misses out on their cut, but at least the benefit goes to the charity and we're able to help, you know, different causes. So I definitely agree with that. Let's talk about one of my favorite provisions on this new uh, stimulus payment bill, being a business owner. Uh, there's there's two of them, actually. Let's start out with the more fun one. Uh, okay. And that is that, uh, you know, to in order to help restaurants or in order to bring back the uh, three martini lunch, you are now able to deduct 100% of your uh, meals and expenses as long as they're provided by a restaurant. I think uh, this is just great for business owners and uh, great for restaurant tours. I do. Absolutely. It's really going to get people back out there. And, and you know, it doesn't even have to be back out there, so to speak. This is also for carryout. So again, different meetings, being able to support local small businesses, franchises, chains, that sort of thing. Everything is covered. And, you know, I think it's very important for everybody to stimulate the local economy by visiting these establishments and helping keeping them in business as well as it's 100% deductible. Yeah, it used to be only 50%, correct? Absolutely correct. Yep. And so that was if you were going to provide a meal to a business guest or associate, 50% was deductible, now 100. And uh, I did notice that you wrote in the blog post, this includes alcohol under that. So, you know, hundred <laughs> percent carry on margaritas. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> Any time of day too. There's no limit to that. So they don't say that you can't drink at lunch. Although I think it's, it's definitely not advisable for our staff considering we trade during the day. So uh, that, that's not, not between trading hours. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is an actual rule in our office, by the way. So, you know, you have to get prior approval in case you want to consume any alcohol before trading hours are ended. And uh, if that is, then we have to have a backup person being able to trade for you just in case somebody were to call in for a trade. So we have policies <laughs> and procedures around this at Walkner Condon as a full disclosure uh, moment there. We have a designated trader as well as a designated driver. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, okay, and let's also get into a bit more on the uh, paycheck, paycheck Protection Program as well. Um, it looks like PPP version 2.0 is going to be uh, available for some business owners, but there's a little bit of nuance around that as well. Anna, can you go uh, into that a little bit? Absolutely. So PPP 2.0, basically, you now need to have 300 or fewer employees. Previously, I believe it was 500 or fewer. Um, there has to be a 25% drop in revenue from one quarter in the prior year, tax year to this year. Okay, that has to be a quote unquote matching quarter. So quarter two versus quarter two can't be quarter you know, one of 2019 versus quarter four of 2020. Um, and the next thing is, is that all of your funds from your per first PPP loan have to be extinguished. Um, those have to be spent, obviously, on permissible expenses, and they have to be spent, I believe, 90 days prior to the next application. Um, 
again, we're not necessarily specialists on this topic, but we do have some information about it. And basically, you know, what I've been saying to business owners that are looking at it is give it a try, you know, contact your banker and work with them through the application because it's definitely worth taking a crack at. I know a lot of people were previously maybe apprehensive about it in terms of the forgiveness or the taxation of the loan or the proceeds of the loan, the first loan. And there was kind of a lot of uncertainty. So you know, this stimulus package is providing us a little bit more clarity related to these topics. Yeah. And, and in addition to that, um, it does appear that the disclosure of the second round is a little, I would call it less favorable or in another way, I would say it's more transparent. Um, I did notice that uh, there have been some stories about the first round of PPP loans. Apparently people really like to buy like Porsches with their PPP loan money. Um, and uh, lo and behold, <laughs> there have been some great stories about just out and out fraud, and then they're probably going to jail. Uh, but, you know, the second round, it sounds like there's going to be a bit more disclosure in that they're going to say the names or the companies that have applied of this and the amounts. Um, so there's going to be a bit more transparency with this process. Um, I think that's probably a positive as far as uh, being able to identify the people that may not be the uh, using the money in the proper manner or being eligible in the first place. Yeah, so the Small Business Association has determined that they are going to publish the names of the individuals that are receiving these funds. Um, they're doing this in an effort to something that I kind of, you know, jokingly call the tattletale neighbor. <laughs> um, so if you know, you did buy the Jaguar, you know, and your neighbor kind of wants to flag that transaction, so to speak. It'll be brought to the um, SBA's attention by reporting. And then it's going to be the burden of proof on the business owner or the recipient of those funds, I should say, to prove that the funds were, you know, two different, allot you know, permitted allotted expenses. Which is a little bit different. Just in your estimation, I know we're not, you know, legal experts or anything, but a little bit different from the first round because it was more on on the bank as well as the business. This this one appears to be more on the business owner. Correct. I think that the SBA is really putting the from what I understand, the loan application has been reduced to a one page simplified loan application. Um, and then once you are a business owner and you are signing for the loan, that you are basically stating that everything that you've presented to receive the loan is truthful and everything you're going to do with the loan funds is truthful. It's, it's basically to take some of that burden of proof off of the bank and some of that liability that they were under within the first round of loans. And that makes a lot of sense because, you know, they're not going through like this full underwriting process as they would some of these other loans. So I think they were a bit, uh, more apprehensive to do a lot of these loans. And really the, the, the gist of this whole legislation is to keep businesses afloat, to infuse money rather quickly, to keep people th going through coronavirus. And so therefore time is somewhat of the essence and, and, you know, being bogged down with a lot of quote unquote small loans um, would be a huge uh, undue burden on some of these banks. So I can see that this is a good move by the government to kind of, clean out the red tape, if you will, and uh, kind of provide them a little bit of, um, you know, uh, I guess, peace of mind that that they're not going to be gone after if uh, some guy goes out and buys his Jaguar with a PPP <laughs> loan they didn't know. 
Exactly. And, and it's really, like you said, it's the government infusing the cash into those business owners' hands to keep them alive, to keep the payroll funded, to make sure that they are able to continue operations and obviously keep everybody in business and, you know, have the least effect by this virus on businesses and small businesses and individuals. That's great. Well, uh, if you guys, if any of you want to read more on this, Anna's writ written a blog post. It's six things to know about coronavirus stimulus bill 2.0. It's on wisconsintaxservices.com and just go to the blog on that page. Uh, we have a whole bunch of other things uh, on there. Um, Anna's been writing like a machine because lots has been happening. And so she's been uh, writing a whole bunch of different uh, pieces of content and, and uh, items that would likely interest you. Uh, and we intend on continuing to crank those out you know, at least until tax season starts, and then it'll probably slow down a little bit once Anna gets super busy. But um, if you have any questions directly for her on the website, there's a uh, contact us box, um, as well as a way to schedule appointments since it's never too early to schedule your tax services appointment for uh, tax year 2020. So uh, get that on the schedule as well so you can get to know Anna. So thank you for joining us on another episode of Give Me Some Truth, and we'll catch you on a future episode. Thank you. Walkner Condon Tax Services and Walkner Condon Financial Advisors are separate and independent entities. This podcast does not constitute or imply a joint venture, partnership, or formal business organization of any kind. Walkner Condon Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with the SEC. The opinions expressed by the participants of this podcast are their own and do not reflect the opinions of Walkner Condon Financial Advisors or Walkner Condon Tax Services. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented in this podcast is for educational purposes only. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Thanks for listening, and for further information, please visit wisconsintaxservices.com and walknercondon.com.